What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live Label Free. As always, bring you incredible guests from all over the world. So sit back, relax, and tune in. My next guest is a mother of seven. Yes, a mother of seven who fought a 25-year-long battle with severe binge purge anorexia. She's also a qualified therapist specializing in eating disorders. Please welcome Scarlett O'Connor. Scarlett, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Good to be on. Oh, my goodness. A mother of seven. So I'm the oldest of five. So, and my mom's the middle of six. So I, mm-hmm. I was raised in a very large family dynamic, which I absolutely love. Uh, I mean, I can't even mm-hmm. imagine what it's like. I mean, you look fantastic. Thank you very much. It, it's, it's heaven and hell in, in my family. We go from one extreme to the other without any kids, but as you know, the, the dynamic can be amazing or difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Makes the holidays interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> so I don't, I have talked about all kinds of things in the show. I have not ever really dived much into like eating disorders. I know I growing up, I know I've had some friends like in high school that battled some of them, you know, they eventually got out of it. And so I know that always stems from somewhere very deep and painful. So I kind of want to jump into a little bit of your 25 year long battle, why it started, when it started, and just kind of like how you overcame that. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, with me, it did start very, very young. So I started off, um, I had an association with food from a very, very young age. So I had an undiagnosed health condition and I've also got dyslexia and um, ADHD. So I had a lot going on in my little mind. And my association with food started very, very young. I learned from about nine that I could numb my feelings and numb my emotions and kind of control my thoughts by overeating. So I built that attachment. Um, and my disordered eating started off with binge eating. So at a very, very young age, I would I would binge and binge and binge and binge. So obviously my weight was affected by that, um, which unfortunately, you know, affected my relationship with my peers and my education. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so my eating disorder started at about nine, started off at nine and it started with binge eating. And is that because you had the ADHD and dyslexia? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I had a difficult family family dynamic going on, but I had all of those inter- internal things that I was dealing with on my own. And for me, food was a really good way of numbing out and, and dealing with those feelings. And, and you find that a lot in, in eating disorders. It's, it's different. I don't like the diagnostic criteria for eating disorders. If you like, I've passed pretty much through everyone that, that you could diagnose me with, but they all had a way of dealing with emotions within the body. You know, sure. Nine is such a young age to start a kind of disorder. I'm sure at that age you didn't know what you were doing. It was just a way to like self soothe, right? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. And so, where did it go from there? Like, how, what was like the, I guess the, the snowball effect from nine to what? Literally thirty-eight. So, so what happened with me was obviously my weight was affected, and um, I was bullied a little bit at school, and. Um, and as I got older, I made this decision that I wanted to change my body. I obviously, I, I literally had, I grew up with no sense of identity. I couldn't associate myself as a girl, little girl because I felt so unshapely and so out of sync with everybody else, if you like. It was a really unpleasant place to be. I had no sense of self whatsoever. 
Um, and then when I got into my late teens, um, I decided I would go on a diet. Um, and this unwillingly, this diet turned into anorexia for me. Um, I think I lost 10 stone in the UK, which I think is like 150 pounds or so on this on this diet. So I, I literally shrunk rapidly. And what happened was society's attitude towards me changed yeah. rapidly. All of a sudden, I was not the ignored fat kid. I hate that word. Ugh. Overweight child, you know. All of a sudden, it was like, wow, you've got this waist and legs. And oh, you look amazing, you know, well done, Scarlett. So I wasn't letting that go. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't letting that go. But what I didn't realize at the time is that I was entering into, obviously, it's a mental health condition. Not everybody gets eating disorders. I had that, that you know, root issue laid down in childhood. But I was getting into an addiction yeah. because when you're starving, you know, your brain chemistry is getting messed up, et cetera, et cetera. So mental health issue going on, addicted to the dieting, addicted to the anorexia. And then what happened is what happened with a lot of people, I see it with a lot of clients now, I physiologically tipped myself over. Sorry. There's only so much starvation a human body can take, right? We're, we're programmed to, to, to eat when we start. You know, like you have a long day, you don't eat all day. Yeah. You eat too much, right? Because yeah. you didn't eat all day. So I, I physiologically tipped myself over into a binge one day, absolutely horrified, went and purged. And, and my way of purging, there is a lot of different ways of purging within eating yeah. disorders. But yeah. for me, it was making myself sick. So that's where my journey if you like the start point of my bulimia was i think i was 19 right. at that um and unfortunately it felt like i'd found a reset button yeah yeah so it, it was kind of like the control element that i had before everybody was congratulating me i changed my body i had a figure and all of a sudden i had this way of no longer having to keep that tight rigid control on myself i could eat and purge and what happened was obviously it spiraled into into an addiction. The binges got bigger, the purges got bigger, and it went from there, unfortunately, which is what happens to so, so many people. And at the start, it's kind of like you've got this mastery. You know, you've had this, had this weight problem, had this issue, always trying to deal with it, and then suddenly, boom, you have this way of dealing with it, which is obviously awful and unhealthy and painful. But at the time, I actually felt like I'd, I'd discovered some, some kind of mastery over myself and over the problems that I had. And that's where it began. Yeah. No, at 19, right up to 38, it was real severe. Really, that's, really severe. Yeah, that's awful. So I had yeah. a friend in high school. I remember going out of her house and she would have a big bowl that she was throwing up in. She took Ipecac syrup to throw up into. Okay. Well, yeah, Ipecac, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so like, and I knew I had other girlfriends that would take laxatives to keep themselves yeah. clean. I personally just worked out. I would go to the gym after, during lunch. I would go to the gym after school, you know, because when we're in our teenage years, we're all looking for that acceptance, right? We all want to feel beautiful and want to feel like um, just... Yeah, accept it, right? I mean, I mean, high school is such a volatile time. I mean, I was such a nerd up until like my junior, senior year because I always was wearing very fashionably like like different types of clothes, and I would get made fun of, and I didn't care. I was like, I remember getting into a fight in one of the with one of the guys in our like one of our assemblies. I was like, you know, but uh, I I had girlfriends that struggled with some of that stuff, and you know, I, I guess 
what I didn't know, like I asked her, like, does it, does your mom and dad see like what you're doing? Like, did your parents see what was going on with you? Yeah, but no, not with me, no. Uh, and what tends to happen is there's kind of like a divided point there where, where some people will just be, you know, maybe in their teens, they'll adopt these habits to be slim or to look nice, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it became, like I said, an addiction, but it was also a form of self-harm. Yeah. Like my self-esteem was so low. You know, I had no sense of identity. I completely and utterly can. I had body dysmorphia. What I saw was not what the world, the rest of the world saw. So I, I hear you. You know, people get involved in those kind of behaviours to lose weight or to fit in. Um, but some people, it becomes a way of coping with life in general. Like with me, it just literally took over everything. Yeah. It was yeah. a way of self-harming, but it was also a way of dealing with every single emotion that I had, <laughs> every single situation, every single. You know, thing that that happened tonight was numbed out by me and disorder. And unfortunately, it it, it took over my life. It took my career. Yeah, isolated me beyond. You know, and the shame attached to it as well. You kind of you withdraw from from life. How were you able? I mean, maybe this is a a sensitive question, but how were you able to have seven children having that issue? Those those disorders. Yeah, I mean, birth control doesn't work super well when you're throwing up all the time, not gonna lie. (laughs) I see birth control doesn't work super well when you're purging. And and, I mean, I don't know how I had my four eldest when I was actively bulimic. And I was at a very low body weight. I don't know how I even even felt pregnant. But as I mentioned before, the, the nature of eating disorders is different for everybody, right? And they change from how they start their fluid. Food doesn't go away, it changes all the time. So with me, it was a form of self-harm. Yeah. So when I felt pregnant, um, I was able to ease up a little with myself. I, I have no shame now. I've recovered, I've forgiven myself. You know, luckily for me, I have healthy children, but it was a form of self-harm. And when I had somebody else to think about on board, literally, I was able to ease up on myself, be a little, a little bit more careful. I, I studied nursing, so I thought I had the knowledge, right? I thought yeah. I could just, you know, do this and that. Luckily for me, I did gain weight and I did have good weight babies. Um, yeah. But and I also had a serious pregnancy, but I missed out on a lot of time for my kids. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Did your it, it, your husband know that you were that you were battling these these issues? Yeah, that was my next sentence. So, so, so I find that in practice now, and when you have any disorder of that velocity, you know, for whatever reason, whatever disorder you have, whatever it is, there's always going to be enabling structures around to support it, right? You you can't be that sick and carry on functioning in life without ways of coping. And yeah. um, I'm not saying everybody involves other people, but personally, I turned my husband into an unwilling enabler. So I would, um, you know, I was in the grips of addiction. I had a mental health crisis going on and I would literally emotionally coerce him. You have to get me the food because if you don't, everyone will find out. And, and then, you know, it was so terrible for me. You have to take the children out. I don't want to see. Um, so I kind of pulled him into this enabling structure where he would, you know, take the kids away, et cetera, et cetera. Luckily for me, um, my health, condition was diagnosed by that point so I was able to hide behind it which was another part of my enabling which continued the disorder mummy's ill mummy's got and his Daniel syndrome mummy's not well um I missed out in years and years and years of those kids 
Wow. So hard. I've had to work so hard on self forgiveness and yeah, yeah, like he would take them out, and I just wasn't, I wasn't there, you know. Well, let's talk about the like the healing, like the aha moment, like the come to Jesus moment, because obviously you've mm -hmm. been, you've been, you know, you've worked on yourself and you're you're better, right? Could you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself? Uh -huh. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a really confident. I have this a lot, and people say, "Are you really confident?" That I am a hundred percent recovered, which is a really, really, really strong statement to make yeah. after any addiction. But it's we're pushing ten years now, and um, and I am completely not recovered. But I had to get to absolute crisis yeah. to even begin to recover. I tried every single modality that I possibly, like, possibly could, and um, that was available to me in the UK on the NHS. Um, I tried everything. I spent thousands of pounds. I think I got to the nature of the addiction is so strong that within the first sort of, I think even 10 years, I was able to ignore the effect it was having on my body. I was able to, yeah. to push it aside because my brain chemistry was so, I was so hooked on the ups and downs of the dopamine of the binging and the purging, et cetera, et cetera. But when I did start to try and recover, it was impossible. Nothing worked. But what happened was I got, unfortunately into a place where my body weight got so low and and I got so ill that I was admitted and yeah. um, now that was frightening okay so I'm taking away from my children I'm taking away from my husband and um, you know put, put into a place where they're potentially gonna put tubes into me etc yeah. and I was vomiting blood at that point oh. I was da dangerously underweight and then I had to make a decision. I literally had to make a life and, and death decision. And I literally chose life. That 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 was it. I it, it was a life and death thing. But I had to get to that point. It had to get that critical for me. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, make that decision. And it wasn't easy. No, I can't imagine that it would be because it like. I mean, just watching my friends and just kind of understanding like how we think as women, just getting into that, like we rely on that habit or that, you know, like something that we feel that we have control over and that, it, and then it spins out of control because you can't, you can only do that so long before, uh, as you said, you have, you know, long lasting effects and you need help. So, um, yeah. did, were you a therapist at this point? When did you become a therapist? Well, you know what? I did my psychology degree when I was ill. <laughs> I, 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 I had a thing about studying because I, I left school at 13. So so I had this obsession with my self-esteem was so low. So I need to do A-levels and I need to get degrees and I need yeah. to study, study, study. Um, but no, no, I wasn't a therapist then. But one thing I didn't mention was and one thing that I had to deal with in recovery is when you have an eating disorder, you have this constant voice. Yeah. You have constant mind chatter in your mind it's there all the time it, it it's one of the biggest error in my practice right now that i have to deal with is dealing with this voice so when i got to this crisis point and went and and that is recovery time what i had to do was and it really really wasn't easy i had to separate myself from my eating disorder i had to actually realize that i am scarlet who has an eating disorder who has this voice. I am not a bulimic anorexic. It does that yeah. make sense? It had to come from that place, and that was the start. Start of my recovery was working with that voice, separating myself from it. But it was extremely difficult. Yeah, 
Yeah. A little man likes to talk shit to you up there and lives up there. They yeah. shut him up. <laughs> yeah, and it, we all have them. We all have them. And within eating disorders, it, it almost becomes like an auditory hallucination. You know, like when I work with clients now, it's borderline whether or not you could diagnostically say that it is an auditory hallucination. It's such a strong voice and it, re- it kind of builds as the disorder builds. And um, during recovery, that was that was the first thing that I had to do. But I think that I got so sick that I had to, I didn't have a choice. I had to separate myself from it. And um, that's exactly what I did. I, th- I flipped it around and looked at everything that I t- tried to do yeah. and did the opposite. That's awesome. Congratulations on getting recovered. Yeah. And, you know, you look beautiful. You're gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, I would have never thought that you struggle with that. Um, So you didn't always specialize in eating disorders with your therapy? No, no. So when I first first went into recovery, I worked with a modality called um, Emotional Freedom Technique, which I still absolutely love. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's tapping. The tapping technique. Yeah, absolutely love that. So I worked with with multiple traumas, whatever came to me. Um, I would work with, which was fabulous, really enjoyed it. But um, what I've done now is I kind of, I use my method of recovery, which is kind of controversial. It isn't the regular way that people go into recovery. I am not a great believer in re-traumatizing. I don't um, work in the past. I like to look at what's happened. This is what I did with myself. This is how I got myself from the, the edge of brink of death, quite literally was to stop going backwards, stop re-traumatizing, you know, stop focusing on this is why I have the eating disorder, this is why it continues. And yeah. um, and it's kind of what I was like as a therapist, to be honest, with, with everything. It's kind of like we know we have trauma, we know we have an issue because it manifests mentally, it manifests physically with everything and everybody. Yeah. But what, with me, what I tend to do is look at how that manifestation is happening in the now and yeah. then kind of work in the moment with the symptoms, with the, the reactions within the body, with whatever it is that's going on. It's kind of like not reopening the wounds. Yeah. It, it's looking at how things are right now and addressing it there and then. In the moment. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's more yeah. probably more effective than going back. I mean, I think for some people to go back not- and feel certain things is probably good, but I, I'm of the same mindset. Like, let's just move forward. I want to deal with what's happening right now. Yeah. You, the shame, the most, the most, the shame within eating disorder treatment, right? And it, it's the same in another therapist. It's kind of like, why do I need to go and recount? You know, how, how many times do you purge? What do you? First of all, you need to be diagnosed. So you need to fit into a box. Yeah. You need to be purged a certain amount of time. You need to tell me this to write this down. And what a horrendous thing to go to, right? And the amount of times I went into an office and. And I was X amount of time. No, no, there, there, there shouldn't be that shame in recovery. Um, and that's kind of what I had to do with myself, was move away from all of that. And I need to, and, and that's how I work as a therapist. Like, if somebody comes to me and says, I was abused as a child, we don't need to know, we know now, okay? Yeah. If, if they want to go exclusively into it, it's the same with the eating disorder. We can talk about it if you want to. But generally people don't because they know about their child. Right. We know we're sick. We know why we're hurting. We know what's happening to our bodies. Right. What we need to do is go forward. So I kind of like created a future rather than fixated on a past. And that's what I do with my clients now. We remember our future. Yeah. 
that's kind of that's kind of kind of patronizing. I love that because we, I feel, (laughs) yeah, a lot of therapists like to focus on the past. I mean, because I've gone through a lot of therapy, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, you know, and I've talked about it very openly on on the show and on other shows. But I, I, I personally like to think about like how I can, you know change my life now and into the future because you can't change the past what's done is done and if you if you continue to think about it and like dwell on it it's only going to live in the present right if you let it die it stays in the past and you move forward into a healthy in a healthy way into the future yeah. and, and we're, we're fluid right our emotions are yes. fluid and the thing about food is this isn't a substance that we can we can withdraw from and give up and our relationship with spirit is always going to be fluid. It's always going to change. We can't remove it. So we've yeah. got to kind of be with us. And, and, and I like the word destructure where, when I look at uh, This is what I did with my own behavior. I had to kind of destructure. I had to be, had to be very, very honest with myself, which yeah. was difficult. Yeah. And, and, and when I work with clients, sometimes I can't work with people because they're not ready and they're not ready to admit that actually we need to be very frank and if it was happening to what I did by myself, what are you doing in your life right now that's enabling you to carry on with this behavior? And then we kind of destruct her. So I do have people come and I just think you're not at that. You need to right. be at that point where, because if you don't, you know, there's, you've got to address it. There's no getting away with it or getting out of it with eating disorders, but people do have to be ready. And I was ready. <laughs> we stuck I was my you ready. And so now you've moved into specializing with um, working with clients that have eating disorders. Is that a new thing or have you always worked with people like that? Obviously, when I, I gravitated, when I worked into, in general practice, I found that I worked really well with men who had um, childhood sexual abuse. We kind of get niche. We're, we're all good at different Interesting. things. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I was very, very good with that. I was also very, very good with speed, and that's because of my lived experience. And it's like I always say, you know, you can't certain things you can't learn from a book. If I gave you a piece of paper and I wrote down, this is have to smile, you'd be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, this is going to take me a while to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's like I've got that lived, you know, experience. Yeah. and that, I feel like that gives me, it's not like I say to the client, hey, me too. <laughs> That's yeah. massively inappropriate. But it's just that I have that, I know what it's like to have that voice. I know what it's like to be yeah, down the toilet for six hours a day and, and, and be so ashamed. And I don't have that shame. And I feel like sometimes when I tell my story, I, I allow other people not to feel yeah. that shame, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you telling yeah. your story allows other people to be more accepting of themselves because then they feel like they're not alone. And that's like the whole reason why I started the show, because, you know, I think that it's important to share stories like yourself, like you got yourself out of that box and are like living dynamically and have created something from your own experience, which I just absolutely love. With that being said, where can people find you, connect with you and learn more? I have my website, scarletopenard.coach, and I do like to do fairly hefty calls. So it's not a quick thing. We have to have a nice long chat. (laughs) You can book in calls and we can have a good long chat about where you are and what your goals are and where you want to be. So you can find me there. Um, And I have a Facebook page as well. But yeah, the website is the best place to just book in a call and um, 
have a talk and see where we go. And I do offer some uh, funded spaces sometimes, but those conversations can happen. Yeah. So book in a call if you need me and we can have a talk. But like I said before, people have to be in the right place. They have to be ready. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not the kind of person that's just gonna say this is how much you're putting me each week. This is my old therapy timer right here. I'm gonna turn this up for an hour and you're gonna leave. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> if you're coming in, then we're gonna get better. It's, it's, it's happening. I love that. You're coming in. You're gonna get better. With that being said, you're leaving well. I'm gonna go and do the bidding. I love. I love it. I'm going to put her links in the show notes. So if you uh, align with Scarlett's message and what she's been through and you feel like you need some help and you're ready for that help, don't hesitate to click that link and schedule a call with her. Like she said, she's ready to talk to you and see if you're you're ready and, uh, and if she can help you. This is the part of the show where I like to ask for last words of wisdom or advice. What would you like to leave with us today? I'd like to leave you with the one the one bit of advice I always want to quickly quickly say is whenever you approach anybody with an eating disorder, if it's someone you love, even if you're approaching yourself, remember initially that that eating disorder has a voice, a distorted, disordered voice. And when you're communicating with somebody you love or even communicating with yourself, as crazy as it sounds, yeah. you have to separate yourself from that voice or you have to understand that that person you love is going to push back straight away because that part of the disorder is going to speak to you first. No, it makes total sense. I love it. Well, Scarlett, thank thank, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we're so happy that you are, you've recovered and now you're out there trying to help people. As you can see, my dogs are like, if you guys, I'm so distracted. Yeah, they are. They are playing here in the background. But um, I love your story. We'll have to have you back, and you can let us know how many people that you're helping, and bring some more oh, great God. words of wisdom for for those that are out there that are struggling so with disorder, <laughs> disorders yeah. like this. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you're, you. You're welcome, you guys. This is your host Deanna Redalescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label-free. As always, don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, review, comment, share, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.